Good morning. Good to have the band back together. Welcome back, Andrew. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll get to Lamed Ches in Maseches Beitza. Uh, Andrew is shaking his head. We are going to have to move ahead. Buckle up. Because we are, Bezrat Hashem, going to get as far as we can. This is our last day in Masechus Beitza. Together, by Sunday, we'll be finishing. And then Bezrat Hashem, starting on Monday, Masechus Rosh Hashanah. But without further ado, we had learned in the Mishnah, we got into the concept of the behemoth of the Kalim Karagle Abalim, which means that with regards to Tchum Shabbos, it goes, where does the Tchum Shabbos go? So Andrew knows that he can go 2,000 Amos in every direction. However... What about his belongings, his suit jacket, his davening jacket? So his davening jacket also can only go 2,000 amas in any direction, meaning if I wanted to borrow that jacket, which I do, I can only go within 2,000 amas of Shari Zion. I can't take it 2,000 amas west of Shomrei Amuna because I have to keep it, all right, I have to keep it within the Tchum of Andrew's jacket because it goes based on the owner of that jacket. It's part of the takana that you and your belongings can't leave that tchum. Now the Mishnah had interesting cases. Andrew has an animal and he's uh, right. He's a she- he has to she- have that animal shepherded on Shabbos. They don't take days off, so to speak, even though we give them a day off from working. They still have to walk around. And so he, he passes over his animal to uh, one, of the, one of the local shepherds. So what does that mean? That the shepherd also can only go uh, uh, around to the tchum of Andrew? So the truth of the matter is that that's what our Mishnah did say. Our Mishnah says, that that follows, right, Andrew's tchum as well. So now we're going to see, maybe not everybody agrees with that. We're going to start refining these issues and we're going to get into really what I would say is the locus classicus of the uh, halacha of Berera. We're going to get into Berera. This is a lot of the sources are all together here as follows. Mas Nisim. We said the word Mas Nisim, which is the last word on Lamed Zion, Aleph. And now we are on Lamed Zion, Amad Beis. Here we go. Mas Nisim, Delok Rabbi Dosa. Our Mishnah that says that the sheep of Andrew's sheep have to follow, also stay within his radius, even though he's given it over to a shepherd, are not like consistent with Rabbi Dosa. Detanya, Rabbi Dosa, Aymer, Aymer, some say it was in the name of Rabbi Abishaul. So Barry, takes the uh, Andrew's behemoth and borrows it for Yantiv. In other words, fascinating case. Barry purchased the animal from Andrew. So the purchase took place online on Erev Yantiv. But the actual delivery took place on Yantiv. So uh, Andrew says, you know, I'm coming over to you for for Yantiv uh, during the day, I'm coming to you for a meal because we've already patched up our differences. I'll just bring the animal then. Even though the transaction already went through, I'm going to bring, on Erev Yantiv, I'm going to bring the animal on Yantiv itself. Says the Brisa, that even though Andrew's not bringing the animal until Yantiv day, it still can't uh, leave the Trum of Barry because the purchase, after all, had taken place already on Erev Yantiv and therefore it's already Barry's. So, so far, actually, it's not a contradiction with our Mishnah. That seems, uh, that seems like it should be the case. It should go based on who owns the animal. However, the Brisa continues, However, let's say now 
Barry's excited. He's got his new behemoth. He's giving it to a shepherd. Right? So he hands it over to the shepherd. Goranowitz, in this case, is going to be the shepherd. Barry gives it to him. Once uh, Andrew shows up with it for Yontiv lunch, Barry uh, passes it over to Goranowitz and says, go take it out into the fields. And that transaction only happened on Yontiv. However, Harehi Karagle Aroe. Wild. The Brisa says that this she- sheep can go, right? Al It could go within the Tchum of Goranowitz. And he's coming from a totally different radius. I don't know where he's coming from, but it's not the same radius as Barry. So the point is, why, if Barry is passing over the sheep to Goranowitz on Yantav itself, why is Goranowitz's radius determining where he could take the sheep? Our Mishnah had said explicitly that your mocher, if you're Moser to Roe or Beno, that it should go based off of Barry's Tchum, because he's the owner. Says the Gemara, Afilu No, we can reconcile that price with our Mishnah, because Kan Echad, Kan The case of the Bryce is where there was only one Roe. Goranowitz is the only game in town. And therefore, it is understood, essentially, that anybody who has any sheep is going to be giving it to Goranowitz. And so this has to do with what? With what the mindset is. In other words, we thought that Chum is based entirely on some sort of technicality of who the owner is. Well, there, there's some truth to that, but the point is the reason it's based on that is for a more fundamental reason, which is that Chum is determined based on the Kavana of what you expect to be the going on on Yantiv. And so if everybody knows, for example, that Goranowitz has everybody's sheep, right? He's the only shepherd in town. So it would be understood, right? Anan Sahadi, right? it would be, it would be a, um, a, an understood assumption that it is going to be Goranowitz's Tchum that's going to determine where the animals can go on Yantiv, because everybody knows that's where the animals are going to be on Yantiv. So you see, it's not technically who owns it per se, it's just that who owns it typically would determine, right, the Kavana of where you would expect this thing to be over Shabbos or Yantiv. But in the unusual case of a shepherd, so then the ownership is not, is going to be trumped by where you expect the animal to be. And if it's going to be by Goranowitz, so then his radius would determine. So what's the difference between Roa Echad Shnei Roim? Because when you have a Roa Echad, then you know that that's where the animal's going to be, and then Goranowitz's radius should determine. When you have two, once you have multiple Roim, so now you have a Suffolk, you don't know who's going to end up taking this animal to shepherd it around, and therefore it defaults back, in that case, to the owner, because it'll be his radius that determines only for lack of clarity as to who's going to be the shepherd. Right? In other words, if we knew who the shepherd was going to be, for sure, then his raglaim, so to speak, his radius would determine. So that's what the Gemara says here. Kan echad kan roim, and says the Gemara, and this is, this is how Rashi explains it, what we just said, and daikanami, and it's also Meduyak in our Mishnah because our Mishnah says Livna Ola Roe. So you have this built in suffix in our Mishnah. So that's why our Mishnah says that it's determined on Barry's radius because he's not sure yet. Is he going to give it to his son or is it going to give it to the shepherd? Once he has this indecision, so then it's going to be de- defaulting back to him. Shmami na. Good. So now we have clarity. We know where Bidosa, we know the Mishnah, and we move on nine lines down on Lamzain and base. They established, apparently, in the name of Yochanan the Great Gadol in Eretz Yisrael, that the Allah was, in fact, like Rabidosa and like our Mishnah, that it would default uh, back, right? <coughs> that, that, that if Goranowitz was the only game in town, it would, in fact, be determined on him. However, the Gemara asks me, 
How could Rabbi Yochanan paskin like Rabbi Dosa? Our Mishnah is a Stam Mishnah. Rabbi Yochanan always paskins like a Stam Mishnah. So the answer you already know. The answer is going to be that we already resolved the Stam Mishnah. In other words, Rabbi Yochanan, now that we said that the Stam Mishnah and the Brisa are not contradictory, Rabbi Yochanan can hold like the Stam Mishnah and the Brisa. That's what the Gemara is going to say. But first, the Gemara is going to uh, write, quote our Mishnah, Utnan. And it says in our Mishnah, Right, we had just said in our Mishnah that the behemoth and the kalim go based on the owner. So why is it that Rabbi Yochanan holds like Rabbi Loza that it will determine based on Garanowitz's radius? Answers the Gemara exactly what we had just explained. The low Kimna. Didn't we just explain that? And in fact, that's how we are going to say that Rabbi Yochanan can paskin like Rabbi Dosa, but that would only be in the case of Roeachad. Right? And therefore, in that case, you would give it to Garanowitz. However, when the Shnei Roim, and there is a Right, Suffolk, we're going to default back to Barry's radius. Now we're eight lines up from the wide, and we're going to talk about other things that are shared between two different people. Barry and, uh, and Andrew have patched their differences just in time for this Gemara as follows. Tanar Banan. Shnaim Shashalu Chaluk Echad B'Shutfas. Barry, very politely as he does, after davening, tells Andrew he loves his davening jacket, they're going to share it for Yantiv. Zelelech Boshachwes Lebesa Medrash, that's Barry. He's going to go there for Shul on Shabbos. Zeli Kanis Bo Arvis Lebesa Mishta. Andrew, come on, man. He's going to use the jacket to go out on the town, okay, that night. So over Yantiv, it's the previous night, right? So Yantiv night, Andrew's going to go out on the town with the jacket. And then Shabbos, and then Yantiv day, Barry's going to use it as a davening jacket. Good. Now, that normally would be good if they're going to stay in the same place. However, the pub and the base medrash are in two opposite sides of town. And so fascinatingly, we ask which one is going to determine the tchum of this object. Typically, the owner is going to determine the tchum of the object. But here, we have two owners co-owning it, Bishutfus. Once you're co-owning it, so which is going to determine where you can go? Are you interested in this, uh, Andrew? All right. Yeah, he's fascinating. So let's go on. All right, so it says, So obviously, Barry made the air of towards the north where the base medrash is, and Andrew made the air of towards the south where the, where the uh, ballroom is, the banquet hall. This air of Barry that made the air of Litzafon, Mahalach Litzafon, Karaglamishar of Ladarim. What happens now is, you take Barry's, um, Barry made an air of, and Andrew made an air of. You take their two perimeters, you draw circles, and they can only go where these two circles intersect, the shaded area where the circles intersect. Because after all, as we know, the item can only travel as far as its owner. In the case of co-ownership, says our Gemara, the item will only be able to, tran- to, to be transferred or uh, to move around in the area that is co-owned, right? In that shaded area that they both own. Because clearly, if Barry were to take it out of Andrew's area, he'd be taking it out of Andrew's trum. And so we're machmir, so to speak. We're machmir for both directions, literally and figuratively. Okay? So again, zish erev ladadarm, zish erev ladadzafon, mahalach ladzafon karagla misharv ladadarm, vizish erev ladadarm, mahalach ladadarm karagla misharv ladadzafon. Right? Which is, uh, the, uh, what we're saying here is that Andrew could go, only could go as far north as Barry's trum, and Barry can only go as far south as Andrew's trum. And uh, the extreme application of this is, ve'im mitzu es which is to say, they both went to the extreme, right? You have um, both of them, 
doing the radius so that the two circles of their radius don't overlap at all, but they touch at one point. Well, guess what? That one point with the touch it, that's where the davening jacket is going to stay. And it cannot move from that point, right? Because there's only one point, one mathematical point, one spot in the entire town where both Andrew and Barry share a boundary. So that's what this means. Right? If they have it established at a center point, then you can't even move the davening jacket at all. That's the extreme mathematical uh, application of what would happen when you have two tchumim, right, with concentric circle. Now, if you live in two totally separate parts of town, I don't know how this would work, Andrew. If you live in two totally separate parts of town, so, or two different areas, where your tchum don't even intersect at all, I don't even know how you would co-own it. I, I would assume that then you can't move it. You'd have to put it somewhere, and nobody would be able to move it. It would be the same thing. Unless your banking hall is also your shul, and you just leave it on the chair. <laughs> That's why Andrew pays dues at Charlie Zion, because his shul is his banquet hall. You did not like me, so calling it a pub. Fine, next time I'll use you as the example for shul, okay? All right, you're a little ornery coming back from this trip. I'm not going to lie. It could be that we're behind, so let's just move forward. Itmar. It was said, Shnaim Shalakhu Chavis of Ahema Bishutfus. Okay. Back to Barry and Andrew. Here we go. You guys should probably not mix business and pleasure, but you did already, so let's discuss it. You bought wine barrels and animals, Bishutfus. Okay, so very nice. Rav Amar, and what are you gonna do, by the way? Before Yantiv, you did you did you did a uh, Chalukah, right? You did a joint purchase of these things. And the idea was to get a better deal for bulk purchase, and you're going to divide the wine and the meat on Yuntiv when you get together, right? So you, before Yuntiv, you established the partnership and made the purchase. But now on Yuntiv, you own this wine and this meat, Bishutfis, and you're going to divide it up. Okay, so now are the wine and the meat going to be going to follow you the same way the davening jacket would? One would presume that yes. And yet, the, we say the following, Ravam Archavis Muteris Vehema Asura that the wine barrel can be carried literally wherever you're going to go, which is to say if Barry and Andrew each have separate chumim, they could still take the wine barrel to the full extent of that chum. However, behema asura, the behema is going to have the same din as the davening jacket, that the behema can only carry it within their common chum area. And Shmuel says that the chavis and the behema have the same din as the davening jacket. They're both the same. Why would the chavis be different? Why would wine be different? So let's discuss this. So the Gemara asks, and this is where we get into Brera. Micah Savar Rav. Rav is the one that's more unusual, right? He's saying there's a difference between a chavis and a behema. Why should that be? Says the Gemara, Ika Savar Yesh Brera. Okay, so what does Brera mean? Brera means that it, something becomes clear retroactively. I'm going to use the case of a Yerusha because that's a case that we're about to learn in a minute. And that is, I think, a very good illustrative case because people sometimes give Brera a bad rap. Brera means that retroactively we determine this is what we meant all along. So if you go in one direction, you say, well, that place where I go, that's where I meant to put the air of all along. So Andrew doesn't like Brera. Rabbi Yochanan, by the way, Paskin's lace Brera, and we Paskin lace Brera. So you're in good company. And I know that you're the type of guy that says, if you want to do it this way, be prepared ahead of time. And oh, what's this retroactive um, uh, revisionist history? Get out of my face with that. However, think of it this way. Think about Yerusha. Okay, not everybody knows, not everybody has a living will, or whatever. A person uh, is Yorish to their children. Ah. So, are those children 
right? And, and now you have to divide it up the estate, right? And there was no, no instructions. So you have to divide it equitably. So you divide it up equitably. Let's say everybody gets along. It's amicable. The lawyers, everything. It's take, the whole thing takes five minutes. But now the ownership that the, that the heirs have on this, would you say that they all jointly owned it and then bought each other out? Or would you say that once they divided it, it is retroactively what their father had intended for them to have? What would be the difference? The difference is when I purchase something from you, Andrew, I have to return it to you at Yovel. So are you going to say that at Yovel, all of these brothers that got the inheritance have to put it back in the pile and then separate it out again? Or would you say, what are you talking about? This is an inheritance. Inheritance doesn't have to go back, right? By definition, where is it going to go back to? Inheritance just stays with the inheritance. So you're going to say, by definition, whatever you inherited, that's what an inheritance is. So I would have said, whatever you inherited, that's what you keep because it's in fact, you got it as an inheritance. You didn't get it as a purchase. However, in order to say that, you have to say yesh brera. You have to say that once you get it, it was predetermined retroactively that that's what you were intended to get. Because otherwise, you just purchased it from, right, from, from your brothers, the, the inheritance. If you're going to be a hard liner with saying we're only going to look at what's going forward, then you can only say that an inheritance where it wasn't clear ahead of time is really a purchase where you're a buyout of your co-inheritors. You understand? So what I'm saying is that... Right. What, what I'm saying is, is, is I don't know the law of Jerusalem. Right. I'm using as an example because it it doesn't have to be. You don't have to leave something. Right. You do. So, so Andrew's asking, are there halachas to Yerusha and the other than giving the bechor a double portion? And it's true that we haven't seen those halachas yet in our travels through Shas and Bezvat Hashem. We will. That's why you're using the example. But the but the the answer is that yes, there are right that, that the, the double portion of the Bukhara is certainly Daoraisa, and there are other parameters as well where you can't just give, uh, you have to divide. If you're going to leave something, then you must leave double, or you must leave double. Um, no, I think you must leave double. I think it's an imperative that you must leave double to the Bukhara. Yeah, so in other words. Back and say, you, it's as if you're now. Well, don't forget, even if you're leaving double, let's say the proportion is exactly what, you, what the Torah said. It still doesn't dictate which fields go to who, right? So even if you're doing double, you don't know what the, the what's the real estate, right? So the specifics of the real estate, right? So 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 you got Oriental Boulevard and I got. Right. So you're <laughs> saying the specifics of the corpus is what it is could be argued, if not for Brera would have to go back in a pot and get redivided, albeit reluctantly, every time you have a camera. Exactly, right? Exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying uh, Andrew's pointing out. He's like. You know, it could be that the Torah prescribed um, how the how the how the uh, inheritance is supposed to be proportioned out in terms of proportion. But the Torah never said, if we're going to use a monopoly analogy, that Barry gets the blue uh, the blue properties and Andrew gets the yellow properties and so and so gets the red properties. Right? This is the actual specifically real estate. Obviously, couldn't by definition appear in the Torah, and therefore that has to be divided out. And only, and what I'm saying is, only with Brera can you say that that's a true inheritance, because it's only determined retroactively. Otherwise, you'd have to put it back in the pot. So all I'm saying is that the alternative to Brera is also kind of like a legal fiction, because it's intended to be an inheritance. So, like, don't, so, so if you're a hardliner against Brera, if we hold 
Yeah. I'm safe to now build a hotel on my yellow. If you don't hold by Brera, I would be in danger of that hotel going back into a big pot. Yeah. Yovel and Barry could end up with the hotel. Oh. Albeit that it's a fair division, but he could end up with it. Correct, because it's not really yours. Okay. Okay? So, so, so now we're, we're getting a little bit into Brera. Obviously, the Sugi could take an entire month. So let's see. So let's get back. We're going to get to, to the inheritance, but let's get back to the, to the Tchum. So Microsoft or Rav. So the question here again is, why would Rav have a difference between a barrel and a behema? If you hold the yesh it could also be determined subsequent. So then the behema should also be allowed, right? In other words, it should be able to go with the owner, wherever Barry goes, that's, or wherever Andrew goes, it's determined that he's going to take that meat, and therefore it should be retroactively determined that that meat was always going to go to either Barry or Andrew, and it should go to the full extent of their tchum. That's if you hold yesh asura. But if you don't hold of this whole um, retroactive determination of brera, so then the chavis also should be asur. So how could you split the chavis uh, and the behema in terms of din? So the Gemara answers no. Really, both Rav and Shmuel here would agree that we could retroactively determine it by brera. Vishanya behema. The behema is a unique case. Because at the time of Yantiv, don't forget, the animal was alive when Yantiv came around. So at the time that the animal was alive, it was unsplittable. The, the animal shares nutrients from each other, meaning you can split a barrel in half always and, and the wine, but you can't split an animal in half and keep it alive. And therefore, it is that which keeps it intact and makes it so that Andrew and Barry have to share the tchum of the animal, whereas they don't have to share the tchum of the barrel. Again, because even though you hold Right, Yesh Brera, Brera doesn't help you enough to say that the animal was split in half on Erev Yantav because then it would be no longer a live animal. That's the, what the Gemara answers. So the Gemara says, This is the Kasha. In other words, they were saying like this. So for Tchum, I'll tell you like this, that Andrew and Barry share the blood of the behemoth as it courses through the veins and therefore they can't split it up and therefore they have to have a shared Tchum. But why would that help for Muktza? This is Rashi on the second wide line. An interesting idea that Anan Sahadi, that's the words I was looking for before. That's, oh, that is in fact what I said. In other words, a lot of these Muktza and Tchum things are assumptions. So how does Muktza work? Did you have it in mind or not? Well, it, we would say, right, that Andrew and Barry are both, um, conceding the aspect of the animal that's flowing through the animal, right, even though the animal is jointly owned, right, so the kasha is that just like the two parts of the animal are inseparable for the sake of tchum, they should also be inseparable for the sake of muktza. It's a fascinating idea. Don't forget, they're co-owners. So because they're co-owners, that means that Andrew owns half the animal and Barry owns half the animal. Well, guess what, Andrew? Barry's stake in the animal pun intended, yes, that you're welcome there, is in fact muktzah to you because you don't own it. So if you don't own it, you can't shecht it, eat it, etc. And therefore it's muktzah to you. And so the question that they're asking is, if it's true that you have this shared uh, shutfus in the animal uh, and however one cannot 
be independent of the other, so then maybe neither of you should be able to use this animal because each one's part of the animal that doesn't belong to you is mukta to you. So the answer is shasik rav, uh, which we always we never know whether rav thinks that this is such a great question that he is that he is stunned to silence or it's such a horrible question that he's stunned to silence. But either way, rav was stunned to silence. That's machlokus whether he agreed with this or disagreed with that observation of the comparison of the mukta to the tchum. Be that as it may, six lines down in the wide, we're saying like this, my havi Allah. So we had this Rav and Shmuel issue of Brera. What do we end up paskining, asks the Gemara. So Oshia, this is a famous machlokas Oshia, Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yoshia, Amar, Yesh Brera. Right, in other words, how we say, now that we brought up that this machlokas, Rav and Shmuel might have to do with Brera, we're gonna hit the sugi of Brera in full force. Where Rabbi Hoshia is quoted as saying that he holds a bear and Rabbi Yochanan ain't bear, that we don't hold a bear. Okay. So, Besavar of Hoshia Yesh Brera, the Gemara asks, is it true Rabbi Hoshia holds that of Brera, the Hatnam, but we have a mission in Oholos, which we've seen already in Erevin and in Shabbos, Hamas, Babais, Velop, Sachim, Harbe, this will, and already in Sukkah, and I think maybe even already in Beitzah, that if you have a house with a lot of doors and the doors are closed, so then, Kulan Tameim, as follows, if all the doors, are closed and we don't know which way the mace is going to go. We know that already that there's a takana that um, it's going to be ohalos, which is the topic of that uh, mission in ohalos, which is that the kalim are underneath the doorways are going to become tame because any one of those doorways could be the place where the mace goes. Once the mace goes there, it's going to make a tame tumas ohel and the kalim underneath are going to become tame. And therefore, it is an amazing halacha, a takana, that because we want to avoid uh, these kalim becoming tame, if you want, if you don't want your kalim to become tame, you better pick a doorway and clear it out. Because if you don't, we're going to make all your kalim tame. Okay. However, if you did ahead of time open the door, so now you know that that's where the mace is going to go. So only that opening is going to become tame. Who tame vechulan taharim? Right, that would make only that doorway tame, and then the rest could, you could rest assured that the rest of the kalim will be tar because the other openings are not going to be used. So now the mission says chishiv However, the mission all us continues to say that if uh, the an individual, uh, right, the mortician, as it were, who's responsible for this, is says, you know what, we're going to take it out the south door. And then we got into Shabbos with the Chalon, and Mechitzos. But be that as it may, you have the four by four, it's Fachim Chalon, Matzelas, Alapsachim Kulon. Just that, right, intent of the mortician to take it out through one way, even though be it only cognitive intent, it's still Matzelas, it saves all the rest of the openings and, the, and they don't become Tamei. Oh, so now we get into Brera here. Bechamai says that cognitive intent has to be before the individual died, which, um, which Birnbaum thought was a little bit uh, morbid. <laughs> the guy is still alive, and he's like, yeah, uh, we're going to take him out that way soon enough. Okay. But if he had, again, that kavana it, prior to the person dying, okay, so then the doorway would then be, the doorways would be saved. But after he died, all the doorways should become tumel because you can't take that toothpaste and put it back in the tube once the person has passed away. However, the Chiddush, that even if he decided which doorway to use after the person died, you can retroactively say that only one way conveys tumel. So it sounds like Beishamai holds Leisbera and Beishilel, who's allowing this to happen retroactive to before the person died, is going to say, Yesh Brera. However, we said with respect to that Mishnah, we said about this Mishnah, Amar of Oshia, 
This is how we get into Rav Oshia. We're saying, does Yosha hold a Brera? We say, Rav Oshia came and he modified Beis Hillel to say that this idea that the Pesachim are going to become Tahor is not retroactive to when the guy died. But it's only from this point forward. So he modified it so that both Beis Hillel and Beit Shammai wouldn't have to rely as heavily on this retroactive uh, of Brera. And why would Rav Oshia do that if he holds a Brera? That's what the Gemara is asking. So the Gemara... Right, it sounds like Roshia holds that these doorways can only become Tahar uh, from this point forward, and thus it in, seems to imply that Roshia does not hold a Brera, to which the Gemara answers, Epoch. Whew, that's a good shot. So therefore we're going to have to reverse it. Say, Roshia Omar ain't Brera, right? Roshia's treatment of that mission always implies that he holds of ain't Brera. However, it's Yochanan himself who says that we do, in fact, hold of Brera. So now the Gemara is going to say, We're bringing a lot of cases where we don't hold the Brera. Does Rabbi Yochanan hold the Brera? Right? This is the case of the inheritance that we were hawking up before. You have brothers, and they are cholik. So look at this. They're considered lekuchos. It's not retroactively an inheritance. Technically, it's considered what? A buyout. They all join ownership and they buy it out. So now all the time we spent explaining this is coming in handy because we're going to move on. We're going to say that because they are, in fact, a buyout, it's not a real inheritance, which implies that there is no Brera. And therefore, they're going to have to, right, the implication is Andrew, who built um, a hotel on the yellow properties, that hotel goes back into the pot to be redivided. And boy, when Barry gets that hotel and his inheritance, you know he's going to rub it in your face. It's going to say Barry Nussbaum in big letters across the top like he's Trump. Okay. But if you're going to say that Rabbi Yochanan holds a Brera, so maybe you're going to say like this, right? Don't forget, this, this statement of the, of the brothers being Lekuchos was said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan. It was Rabbi Yochanan himself who said that they're Lekuchos and therefore rejected Brera. But now the Gemara is saying, well, maybe that's the case because as we discussed, the uh, parameters of Inheritance are deoraisa. And so maybe by deoraisa, Rabbi Yochanan is uncomfortable, we'll say, to invoke this legal fiction of retroactive. But for Darabonan, because it's a Darabonan anyway, so maybe there he'll be able to say that's kind of part of the Takana. Maybe he'll say that. So again, with respect to the inheritance, Rabbi Yochanan is going to say that they're going to be considered lekuchos and it's going to go back with Yovel. But with respect to these tchumim that we're discussing, which if you hold not like Rabbi Akiva, which you hold is der Abanan, so that maybe Rabbi Yochanan would agree. Uvedir, so it says to that, the Gemara says, Uvederabanan, mi islay brera, does he really hold mi islay? Does he hold the rare derabanan? Vehatani ayo. Ayo is the name of a person who taught in a brice of Behuda A person can't stipulate two things simultaneously. Uh, Andrew's torn. Uh, there's an Ufruf in Shari Zion, but he likes to hear whatever Rabbi Marek speak and Shomer Yamuna. Um, so he's, he's torn. So he doesn't know how to set up his Tchum. So we say like this. If the, so he'll, when he'll figure it out, if it turns out, or he doesn't know, where is Rabbi Rose going to be speaking? So if it turns, so we'll say, you know what? I'll say, by Tznai. If it turns out Rabbi Rose is speaking at Shomrei because he has a simcha there, I'll go to there. And that's where my air will be established. If he's going to stay at Shar Zion, so then I'll do over here. So, the Ilu Lachan, Ulachan, Lo. But if he said that he want, that if 
he wants to hear, he wants to dance at both weddings, hear both Rabbi Marwick and Rabbi Rose, so then that he can't do, okay? So the p- point is here that Rabbi Huda is rejecting Brera, even though it is a derabanan, right? In other words, he's letting you choose ahead of time, but he's not letting you choose retroactively afterwards. We made it to the Aleph, and we have beautiful 20 minutes left, and look how small it is, Andrew, you got this. So we analyzed the halacha by Tchumim as follows. Why would we say, why would Yehuda say that if you have, uh, right, Talmidah Chachamim coming to both places, that you cannot make this stipulation? Why? The Ein Brera, right? Because you can't, because we hold the Ein Brera, you can't retroactively say that I'll decide what I, whether I feel like hearing Rabbi Rose or Rabbi Marwick, I'm going to decide on Shabbos Day. It doesn't work like that, Andrew. You have to make up your mind ahead of time, because Ein Brera. Well, if that's the case, then Mizrach Amar of Nami Ein Brera. If that's the case, so then, so then, even if it was Rabbi Rose and you don't know where he's going to speak, it should also be subject to the same problem. You have to know ahead of time where you're going in order to establish the Trum. So now we're going to say, has to be that Yehuda rejects uh, Brera as follows. Yochanan, in that particular case, said the reason why it doesn't work with two Tabitha Chachamim is because Ein Brera. And the reason why it works with one Tamil Chacham is not because we hold Yesh Brera when there's one Tamil Chacham, because it wouldn't make sense to change our tune on the Brera topic with respect to whether there's one or two Tamil Chacham. What must be the case is that we hold of Ein Brera, and this idea that you could go to the Tamil Chacham if there's only one is because it was already determined by Shabbos. You finally got the email on Erev Shabbos just before the nick of time that in fact Rabbi Rose is going to be speaking in Shomer Emunah. And so you set up the perimeter accordingly. And that explanation of Rabbi Yochanan in that case shows you that Rabbi Yochanan holds Ein Brera even by Tchum, which is a Derabanan. So now we have a source both by Deoraisa and by Derabanan from in the name of the horse's mouth himself, so to speak, in Rabbi Yochanan's name, that we hold lace brera. Wow. That, right, that's what it means. That's only in the case where you already figured out, you got the email, you know where they're going. So says the Gemara conclusively, So we see Rabbi Yochanan does not hold a brera, not in rabbinic laws, not in the rices. Okay, so the Gemara has to concede that. Now we're going to go back to pick on Raboshia. Right, because don't forget, we had changed that statement. We said, oh, it must be Raboshia holds Ein Brera. But now we see Rabbi Yochanan holds Lace Brera. So we show that Raboshia holds that there's no Brera in the case of Del So now the only thing left where there might be Brera is Raboshia and Derabanan. So let's see. Don't switch those around. Uh, the, uh, and rather, right? It could be that Oshia has to be the one. Now that we've conclusively shown that Yochanan doesn't hold the Rebbe, not in the Raisa or the Rebbe, let's see what Oshia holds by the Rebbe. Darash Marzutra, Halacha Then in fact, that's the only thing left. The only thing we don't have source for, in other words, we know that somebody holds a Rebbe. Because we've heard of the concept of Brera. We know Rabbi Yochanan doesn't hold of it, not in Deoraisas and not in Deoraisas. We know that Roshia doesn't hold of it in Deoraisas. The only thing left is that Roshia must hold of Brera in Deoraisas. We don't have a source one way or the other, but that's the only thing left in that Punnett Square. And therefore, Marzutra held, like Roshia, in fact, Lahalacha, that when it comes to Deoraisas, we don't hold of Brera, and it must be Roshia that is the, right, the person who hold, has that Shita. Fine. So now, that is... Just the building blocks, like Hadron to this, that's the building blocks of the discussion of Brera, and you just got to see it with your own eyes firsthand, and now we're seven lines down in Lamed Chesamid Aleph. Amar Shmuel, Shor Shel Patam Harehu Karagle Kol Adam. Back to the Tchumim issue. 
A patam is a fattener. That's what I want to be when I grow up. Uh, it's a person who is going to plump up these animals, okay? Okay, so you have the fattener and you have somebody purchase the animal. However, the, the shore of a shepherd is, according to Tchum, like that of the feet of the residents of the city. So what's going on here? So we say like this. The Tchum of shepherding is usually determined by the owner on Yantiv, right? However, this is going to have to be with the shepherd, the exception uh, to the rule, right? Because it has to do, as we said before, has to do with the owner's das. If the owner's das is to give it to the shepherd, or if the owner's dot is, I'm going to bring, give it to the fattener, and I'm basically, what's the fattener? He's the real estate agent, right? It's like handing over your house to the real estate agent because you want to get the best price. You've given up on this property, right? As far as you're concerned, all you're doing now is holding out for the best price. So you gave your animal to somebody. He's going to fatten it up, and you don't know. The sooner the better, right? You don't know when this thing's going to get sold. But the sooner the better. He's trying to dress it up, put it, put the animal in an outfit, and make it and get the and fetch the best price for it. So the point is very clear. Uh, the point is that the tchum um, defaults to the owner only in a case where we don't know, right? Who where this animal is going to be. But in unique cases where you know for sure this fattener is going to have the animal or this shepherd is going to have the animal, so then you've already relinquished as the owner your das to that person's trum. Certainly in that case, it should go according to that person's trum. So in the case of a roe, so then it's going to be the feet of the residents of the city and also karagale koladam because in those particular cases, in the interim, anybody could buy it or anybody could take it. So in that uh, scenario, it's going to have to be the shared trum of everybody or anybody, any potential buyer and have to be all of their shared trum. That's what that means. Fine. Two dots, nine lines down. Alright, Barry is persistent. He wants that davening jacket on Yantiv. He's making sure to f- ask for it on Erev Yantiv. And we already said that it should go according to, to where Barry's going to be. So the asks Pshita, uh, that's obvious. He got possession, Barry got possession of your davening jacket and before Yantiv. So certainly it would be Barry's tchum, to which the Gemara says no. Barry again, he said, I'm, I'm borrowing your davening jacket for Yantiv. Andrew slyly says, yes, but I'm coming over for lunch, so I'll give it to you then. Right? Because we, we already read the Gemara, so we know because Andrew's taking it out on the town the night before. So that's the case. In other words, here's a fascinating case. Uh, technically, Barry already borrowed it on Erev Yantiv, but Andrew's not physically handing it to him until Yantiv begins. So, you may have thought that the idea was that Andrew's really not even relinquishing this jacket to Barry on Erev Yantiv. No. By virtue of the fact that Barry has already completed the transaction on Erev Yantiv, it is really Barry's trum that's going to limit you, Andrew, to where you can go on Yantiv night because the um, actual transaction has taken place, and it's therefore Barry's tchum that determines it for you. And then we say, Misaila Rabbi Yochanan, that explanation of Rabbi Misha supports the sheet of Rabbi Yochanan, the Amar Rabbi Yochanan, the Shoel, Klima Chaver, Meir Viantiv, Afa Pishalon, Nason, Loya, Viantiv, Eri Karaglia, Shoel. Yeah, it certainly does support Rabbi Yochanan, because Rabbi Yochanan explicitly said the same exact thing. That if Barry borrows it from Andrew on Erev Yantiv, even though Andrew uh, held on to it and didn't give it to him until Yantiv Day, it is Keragli Hashoel. It goes like Barry, just as we said. Now, what about the next? Biyom Tov Keragli Hamash Il. 
if, in fact, Barry did not have the idea of borrowing the davening jacket until Yantiv Day, so then certainly the Tchum should be determined based on Andrew's Tchum. Says that's, uh, the Gemara, that's obvious too. No, we need that because why? Because Barry is habitually borrowing this davening, davening jacket. You would have thought, right, that Andrew knows where this is headed. Andrew knows that Barry is borrowing his davening jacket every yontiv. So once it's a pattern, then you might have thought that Andrew already has it in mind that it's going to follow Barry's tchum. No, we learned that in fact it is in Andrew's tchum until Barry borrows it. Why? Barry borrows it every Weak, and we know where this is going. No, because you never know. Maybe Goranowitz is going to step in before Barry one day and borrow the davening jacket ahead of him. You never know. And therefore, we have no choice but to default back to the actual owner of the davening jacket, which is clearly Andrew. And therefore, again, just to review the case, if Barry borrows it prior to Yantiv, then the Tchum will follow Barry's Tchum. And if Barry borrows it on Yantiv, then even though he does so habitually, the Tchum will follow Andrew's Tchum because he's the owner. And in theory, somebody else could go ahead and borrow it before Barry. Okay, final case in the Mishnah was a woman borrowing salt and, and all kinds of spices or water to make her challah on yantiv. So that's interesting. Do these uh, substances, so we said the substances perhaps in those cases will not follow shutfus. Why would that be? So let's see. So says the Gemara. What happened here? Kisalik Rabbi Abba. Rabbi Abba went to Eretz Yisrael. Okay. Amar, he prayed. He started saying the, the, the prayer of may be Hashem's will, the Ema Milsoditis Kabel, that I'm going to say some shear that people will like it. In other words, he's going to Israel and he's going to give shear there. But a lot of time he here, there, and maybe there's some cultural differences. He wants to be a big hit. He wants people to really like the shear. And so he said a prayer to that effect. Good. Kisalik, so then he goes to Eretz Israel. Some people say that the shear comprised all the gedolim, Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Hanina, Rabbi and some say the shear had other gedolim. Rabbi Shimon, There was uh, urban legends about the great gedolim that gathered to hear Rabbi Abba's shear. Be that as it may, Yosvi Kamri, they were all sitting and they were saying about the Mishnah. What was the discussion at this shear? This Mishnah isn't that amazing? You wanted to impress the crowd. Andrew, if you go to Eretz Yisrael, you want to impress the crowd with your erudition, and they set up a big shear with all the Gedoyle Eretz Yisrael to come listen to you in a huge crowd, this should be the topic. The question is, again, the Mishnah had said that there you don't have a shared shutfah. Somehow the water and the salt become batel in the dough, and therefore it is the woman who needs the dough who is going to be determining the tchum. Not the one, and, and she's not going to be Limited by the woman, the tchum of the woman who supplied her with the salt and the, and the water. Is that true? So he says, am I? Why should it be restricted to the common? So that was the shaila, right? The Mishnah said that it is in fact restricted to the common tchum. So why should that be? He said, let the water and the salt get nullified in the, in the dough. That was the shear. In other words, our Mishnah says it's, you know, right? In other words, one woman is supplying the actual dough. Another woman is supplying the water and the salt. The Mishnah says you have to confine the challah to the shared tchum. 
And so the topic this year is, why should that be? Maybe the water and the salt should become butel in the dough. Once it's butel, physically or halakhically, it's, we no longer have to consider the original owner of the water and the salt. To which the woman said, Amalu Rabbi Abba, right? Uh, so he's giving over the shear, Rabbi Abba, and Rabbi Abba proposed the answer. Rabbi Abba said maybe the reason why it's not batel is because it's not that dissimilar to wheat and, uh, and, and right? One kav of chitin with another kav of chitin. In other words, what he's trying to explain, right, that... That is the woman, the woman who is supplying. And we said already in the mission, we explained, Rashi explained, it's like Himalayan salt. It's salt that's nicker. So if you have the water or the salt, his suggestion was that is giving as much of a contribution to the challah as an extra pound of wheat would contribute to the challah, which is to say this challah would not be the same at all if it were not for the contribution of the salt and the water. So we say, if that was the case, would you say that you could take the entire thing and, and just enjoy it and take it wherever you want, certainly that would not be the case, right? Because you're not going to be able to be mevatel in that case. So by the same token, you shouldn't be able to be mevatel the water and, and the dough. So it's, it's another way of saying when you're making a contribution, right, you can't just pretend like that contribution doesn't exist. Perhaps in the uh, inyanim of Isr Right, where we have the concept of bittel, when you apply it to kashras or to other things, so then we have a halachic reality of pure nullification. But when you're talking about inyane mamanos, right, so you can't just say that Barry contributed something to Andrew, Andrew benefited from it, and it's as if Barry doesn't exist. That's the point, right? In other words, with regards to Isavahetar, maybe if you can't taste it, you can't see it, it's mevutal. But you, that does not apply necessarily to trumim, because trumim is in fact determined based on ownership. And Barry's contribution should not be considered null, right? Because it is in fact a significant contribution. So that was your Abba's beautiful sheer, his idea. What an amazing idea. What was the reaction? They laughed at him. Can you imagine how the the They laughed at that sheer. They thought that was the funniest thing they ever heard. Amalu, so Rabbi said, Good like shakli. Did I take your clothes and play a prank on you that you're laughing at me? How do I know what I, I actually, do you know what this feels like? They laughed at him more. You know, like when you're in an awkward crowd and it's like you don't really know how to behave because it's not the culture and they're laughing. You can't even understand why. And you're trying to understand why and it's just making them laugh at you more. Terrible feeling. I'm Rabbi Yoshia. Shapir Abba Rabbi Yoshia supported them laughing at him. Why? Because what do you mean? What are you saying? What's it, what would you say if it was wheat and barley? The havale mino b'sheino mino, or mino b'sheino mino batel, right? When you have min b'sheino mino, the sure is bittel. So chitim b'chitim nami nehidil Rabbi Yehuda lo batel darabanim miftel batel. It's true that according to Rabbi Yehuda, you would say that it doesn't become batel, but according to the Chachamim, even min b'mino is going to become batel, and therefore the argument even for min b'mino shouldn't apply. In other words, sure is batel, and therefore this is the worst. Support for an argument I've ever heard. So Amalei Rav Safra said no. Rav Safra is coming to Rabbah's support. Moshe Shapir Kama, uh, in the name of Moshe Rabbeinu, are you speaking correctly when you have when you think you have the right to laugh at Rabbi Abba? Did you never hear of the famous Rabbiya Ketzafitam? Well, I actually never did hear of him, but obviously you would think that Roshi would have heard of him. Who says the following? If you pick out the tsroros out of the wheat of your friend Silo, 
you have to pay him, right? So you took out the, um, the tsaros, but this is being sold by weight, right? So by t- picking out, and, and it's understood when you buy a whole bunch of that wheat, that's not the most refined, and therefore somebody who would purchase it would be willingly paying for, by weight, even though he knows it's not the most refined. So therefore, if you picked it out, you in fact owe your friend money because he lost money. And we see from that that even though the pebbles, right, are inherently not adding any value, you have to reimburse them because it's sold as something valuable by weight. So here, here too, right, you diminished the, the ownership if we said that the water and the salt or the chitin within the chitin is nullified, you've now diminished the value and that is an indication of the fact that the value does have in fact mamashos. To which Amalea Baye, he says that's not exactly analogous. Okay. Well, when it comes to the water and the salt and the dough, nobody's coming back to be tovea that value. And that's not really value. So it should be, it's more understandable. It's nullified both physically and financially, monetarily. As opposed to these pebbles and, and the wheat, that's something that's literally sold by weight. You're not selling challah by weight. So when it makes an actual monetary contribution, it would make sense that you ascribe actual monetary value to it. That's not the case with the water and the salt by the challah. To which Rav Safra says, Okay, so according to you, that you, an Avela meat becomes nullified when it's mixed in properly slaughtered meat. Because it's impossible, right, for that meat to become tummy like Nevela. In other words, the two types of meat, even though they may look similar, they're treated like min shed mino. So therefore, it's, in that case, it's going to be bottle, because min shed mino is always bottle. However, shkuta ain't a betela benevela. But slaughtered meat is not going to become bottle benevela. Because it's possible to tahar. You're never going to turn it around and make it actually, right, shachot. Uh, you can't turn back that clock, but you can make it tar. That mixture would be considered min bimino, and therefore you would not have bitl according to Rabbi Yehuda. So we say, So there too you would argue that if the meat does have an owner, um, so then it should become, in fact, nullified. So that's how he's concluding his question to Abaye, right, the Nevela should become batel, and that is a question. And I think we have to stop here. So we are up to Bechitemon Hachinami, which is seven lines up from the bottom of Lamed Chesam Bez.